Welcome to the AJP Heart and Circ podcast. I'm Kara Hansel Kehan. Today we'll discuss a new study by Longobardi et al. titled Oxygen Uptake Kinetics and Chronotropic Responses to Exercise are Impaired in Survivors of Severe COVID-19. This article was published September 2nd, 2022. Joining us today are guest editor, Dr. Tiago Pisania, senior author, Dr. Hamilton Rochelle, and expert, Dr. John DeRocher. Let's get started. Tiago? Thanks, Kara. So COVID-19 had a devastating impact on people around the globe. Luckily, we are now in a much better situation compared to where we were a couple of years ago, and we know much more about this virus But that does not mean that we fully understand all the impact that COVID-19 can cause on people. And there are good numbers of people who have survived from COVID, but who still live with the consequences of this disease. As we have dealt in previous episodes, the cardiovascular and respiratory systems are two of the systems that seem to be negatively impacted by the COVID infection. And we have solid information that in some people, these negative changes may carry on for months after the acute phase of the infection. One consequence of COVID-19 is intolerance to exercise. However, the etiology of this is not fully understood and might involve changes in the cardiorespiratory responses to exercise. So this current manuscript by Logobardi and colleagues examined the impact of previous infection with COVID-19 on cardiorespiratory responses to a maximal exercise test. This study included uh, 35 COVID-19 survivors previously admitted to intensive care unit and 18 controls matched by sex, age, comorbidities, and physical activity level with no prehistory of COVID-19 infection. So Hamilton, uh, congratulations on this work uh, that has just been published in AJP Heart and Circ. Can you please give uh, our audience a brief summary of the study protocol and of the take-home outcomes for this study? Thank you, Tiago. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, uh, John. Uh, it's great to be here. It's an, an honor to be able to, to be here and talk about our study. I would like to acknowledge all of the, the authors of the study who contributed to make this possible. Um, we, we find this a very interesting study, as Tiago was um, touching upon. COVID, uh, what we need to, 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 con- to be concerned about right now when we talk about COVID is the long-lasting effects of infection, which seems to involve patients in different ways uh, in our study in respect of a cardiopulmonary function, to be more exact. And ours is a cross-sectional study within a randomized controlled trial that we're running uh, that, that is looking on uh, the effects of a home-based exercise intervention on several clinical parameters and post-acute sequelae of these COVID-infected patients. And in this cross-sectional analysis, we recruited patients that they were admitted to our IC unit here at the, the University Hospital, so patients who manifested a severe form of COVID. And we also recruited um, healthy controls, as Tiago mentioned, that were matched by several parameters. And what we wanted to do with this study is to investigate how um, COVID-19 infection would impact 
VO2 kinetics and cardiopulmonary function in these patients. And we, uh, so we, we did a submaximal and a maximal cardioexercise pulmonary tests. And we had some interesting findings, we think. We showed that VO2 kinetics is uh, significant, significantly impaired both at the onset and at the recovery phases of exercise. We also found chronotropic incompetence on COVID-19 patients, which is actually not exactly new, but uh, it's a confirmatory data. And this was paralleled by also a diminished uh, VO2 max in these patients as well. I think with this particular study, we add to the literature by showing uh, some disturbance, disturbances in oxygen kinetics under exercise uh, challenge in COVID-19 survivors. Thank you, Hamilton. John, you also have experience studying the cardiovascular responses to different types of exercise and, and other stimuli as well. Can you first start by explaining to our audience about the applications of a cardiopulmonary exercise tests in individuals recovering from COVID-19? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, first, I want to commend the authors for the information that they included in the uh, introduction section of the paper, which described how graded cardiopulmonary exercise testing is useful as a clinical tool from the standpoint of determining how the pulmonary, cardiovascular, and skeletal muscular systems respond to exercise. So my history was more in athlete populations, but this is obviously a study in a clinical population. I guess to describe a little bit more detail, the authors of the study performed testing on a treadmill using the model modified bulky protocol. And they also included a brief uh, three-minute steady state submaximal VO2 um, component while walking at about one and a half miles an hour prior to ramping up through the graded exercise protocol. Additionally, post-exercise or post-graded exercise, the participants completed a one-minute of low-intensity active recovery at 0.6 miles per hour and 0% slope, plus an additional five minutes of passive or sitting recovery. Um, by including the steady state exercise and recovery components, the authors are able to gain measures of VO2 kinetics. And I was more familiar with teaching from the standpoint of oxygen deficit uh, at the onset of steady state exercise. This was referred to as the authors by the on-transient component of VO2. And then I traditionally would teach about excess post-exercise oxygen consumption or EPOC, or maybe you call it recovery oxygen, with the auth what she authors evaluated as off-transient component of VO2. Thanks, John. So Hamilton, as you said, and I guess as it could be expected, these patients recovering from COVID-19, they had a lower VO2 peak compared with the controls. However, and perhaps like the most important part of this study is this impairment that you mentioned briefly in your first response and that John also uh, made some comments on the uh, kinetics of VO2 response at the onset and recovery from the cardiopulmonary exercise test in these patients. So can you briefly please um, explain to our audience what do these indices mean and what information they bring in terms of understanding the cardiorespiratory response, but also the tolerance to exercise in these patients, in the post-COVID-19 patients? Thank you for the, the question. I'll start from your last question, actually, and I'll say that collectively what I think our data suggests is that both central and peripheral factors might be related to the exertional intolerance that is usually, is usually experienced by COVID-19 survivors. 
And getting uh, on your first part of the question, uh, the parameters that we assessed and the main data that we have, uh, I can pinpoint oxygen uptake uh, kinetics as a, a characterization of the rate at which oxygen uptake is adjusted to changes in energy demands. And what we assessed is oxygen deficit, mean response time, and half time uh, recovery of oxygen uh, consumption. In brief, exercise begins, the increased workload generates an immediate increase in metabolic demand. And that differs from the actual oxygen uptake, which results in what we call the oxygen deficit. And it, it actually a reflection of the reliance uh, on non-oxidative metabolism, more specifically on phosphorylcreatine depletion, if you want to get that deep into it. Uh, mean response time in its turn is the time that, the, that is required for oxygen uptake to be adjusted to match its increased metabolic demand. So in our patients, we found both a greater oxygen deficit and a greater mean response time. So we see some metabolic disturbances, some peripheral aspects uh, contributing to, to the exercise intolerance that usually COVID-19 patients might experience. The other parameter that I mentioned is the half-time of recovery of oxygen uptake. And as John uh, very accurately uh, explained, this is evaluated during the recovery phase. The name is suggestive in that way. And the variable actually represents the time needed for peak oxygen uptake to decrease by half. And it also has been previously associated or it correlates with uh, metabolic disturbances. Um, perhaps the uh, slower replenishment of energy stores in peripheral muscle. So usually a classic cardiopulmonary uh, exercise test focuses on maximal cardiac and ventilatory variables. The oxygen uptake kinetics, it provides more of a peripheral picture of the patient's as this parameter closely, closely relates to, to muscle properties like oxidative phosphorylation and fatigue-related metabolites, um, disturbances in metabolism that might occur even at submaximal intensities. So when you put this together, uh, both the, the cardiopulmonary and the VO2 kinetic parameters in our study, I think uh, what, what we get to show with our study is that uh, the exertional intoler intolerance that is frequently observed following COVID is, uh, might be related both to central and peripheral factors. I didn't get to, but we also mentioned uh, the, the, the heart rate recovery within the first minute of recovery and uh, a much slower heart rate recover uh, in COVID patients when compared to, to health controls. So there, there you have a, a, a central factor. Taking, taking place as well. John, uh, the impairment on cardiorespiratory response to exercise may then explain why some patients previously infected with COVID-19 might struggle to engage in intense physical exercise or may even have intolerance to perform basic physical activities such as, for example, activities of daily living. Interestingly, some of the negative changes observed in the participants recovering from COVID-19 were comparable to populations with cardiovascular disease, such as heart failure or peripheral artery disease, which are diseases that we usually associate with significant exercise intolerance. 
Can you please uh, briefly comment on what could be the underlying causes of the impairment of the cardiorespiratory response to exercise in this uh, COVID-19 population? Thanks, Tiago. Um, I always try to start when talking about VO2 max, describing to a general audience about the Fick equation. So VO2 max is equal to heart rate max times stroke volume max. Those two components make up maximal cardiac output, which would be the central components. And then the arterial venous oxygen difference max, which would be the, the peripheral components. Um, so for example, in the COVID-19 survivors in the present study, I noticed that they had a lower heart rate max, about five beats per minute than the healthy controls of the same age. This to me would point to some central limitations, you know, in cardiac output that could be limiting the high intensity exercise in, in survivors of severe COVID-19. As, as Dr. Rochelle already described, the VO2 kinetic data from the present study, uh, in addition to other studies that I've looked up, such as one from Denmark and the European Journal of Neurology, have shown that there are reductions in mitochondrial uh, function in about 62% of COVID uh, patients and capillary function in about 75% of patients. These changes would indicate that many COVID survivors, survivors also have peripheral limitations and I would describe that as the ability of the skeletal muscles to receive and utilize oxygen. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I would add actually uh, also perhaps some changes in blood flow regulation there also in fact uh, affecting the, the, the blood flow uh, supply to the active muscles and then perhaps affecting as well the arterial venous oxygen difference there. That's quite, that's quite like uh, the picture that we wanna see uh, for the next studies to investigate. Thanks, John. Hamilton, can you please share uh, with us one uh, or two strengths of this study and follow that up with what you think is the most important limitation of this study and what would you do differently if you had the chance? Perhaps we could add uh, to the limitation of uh, intensity to these patients, the muscle component, the muscle involvement that is also observed in COVID patients. We've shown COVID-infected patients to, to, to lose a lot of muscle. This is a different paper, different study, but uh, this might add up to the vascular and other muscle involvements that we, we talked about uh, previously. Regarding your specific question, I think the fact that we could include a control group that was matched by important aspects like age, sex, comorbidities, and physical activity level, it's definitely a strength of our study, I think, uh, because it allowed us uh, to compare individuals with similar characteristics, distinguishing only the fact that part of them were and part weren't infected by COVID. Of course, we have a, a very important limitation regarding the methodology that we, we could employ for our cardio, cardiopulmonary assessments. Uh, usually the gold standard procedure uh, dictates that we would run multiple uh, testing uh, sessions on these patients. But we have to, to bear in mind that this uh, study was conducted during the pandemic, during a, a very tough time here in Brazil. And it was just not feasible to bring patients to the, to the hospital and risk a, 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 another infection or a virus spread uh, by, by, by taking multiple, multiple sessions. So we, if we got to do a do-over, we definitely do uh, multiple testing sessions in these patients. But uh, of course, it took all the, the measures necessary to mitigate any 
any limitations of uh, uh, not running multiple testing sessions. This is all mentioned in, 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 the, in the manuscript. John, what kind of measures or interventions can be done to counteract the impairment in cardiorespiratory response to exercise in the patients with COVID-19? Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I know that uh, yourself, uh, Dr. Pasania and Dr. Rochelle, that you've done a, another study in uh, 2020 in AJP Heart that talked about how social isolation could influence cardiovascular risk. I know that Steve Elmer and other uh, students at Michigan Tech also published a nice infographic around the same time in the British Journal of Sports Medicine about staying active during COVID-19. You know, it's alarming to me to see how much physical activity decreased during COVID. I think the estimates were at least 30%. Um, and sitting time increased. And I think estimates, again, were around 30% increased uh, sitting time. And of course, these concerns are in addition to the numerous pathophysiological changes that could persist following COVID-19 infection. So I guess I would like to try to attempt to keep the advice simple um, and, and emphasizing that small changes or several small changes could accumulate to larger improvements in health or reduction of cardiovascular risk. And I know that your 2020 article, for example, discussed home-based programs as one of the methods to um, improve physical activity habits. So I guess I would say also including simple things like walking more, breaking up sedentary or sitting time with activities of daily living, gardening, cleaning, climbing a few flights of stairs, something like that to counteract these impairments, you know, emphasizing aerobic uh, exercise or activities, biking, swimming, cross-country skiing, um, and I guess eventually progressing, you know, to more moderate and vigorous intensities over time. Um, probably under the advisement of, of a physician for those that had severe COVID. And I guess I would like to leave maybe with one other comment here. Uh, there are other, there's some other novel forms of exercise that might be considered that could have beneficial effects uh, that would require the participants to work at lower intensities, such as eccentric exercise or muscle lengthening contractions, um, which basically you can perform about twice the amount of work for a given uh, VO2 or oxygen consumption or even blood flow restriction training that I know you guys have um, uh, previous experience in as well. You know, blood flow restriction can be performed during resistance exercise or aerobic exercise. Um, and I'd like to maybe hear uh, your ideas or if that's a potential intervention. Yeah, this is a quite interesting uh, response. And, and I agree that um, perhaps the most uh, interesting way is to try to approach this in a progressive way, starting with low intensity physical activity, perhaps uh, breaking sitting, sedentary time in general, and progressing to more intense exercise, and eventually even one of those alternative uh, interventions as well, as you mentioned. Thanks uh, for your response, John. So, Amilton, uh, you mentioned here in one, I guess, your first response, and also this is mentioned in the paper, this cross-sectional uh, study is part of a larger uh, randomized control trial that's investigating the effects of home-based physical activities in several clinical parameters in these patients with COVID-19. Can you uh, comment, uh, following up on, on, on John's uh, answers, what are you planning to do as your next steps, including this larger clinical trial to try to approach this cardiorespiratory uh, impairment that you noticed in this study in these patients? Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you for the question. Thank you, John, for your response. I, I, I couldn't imagine us being more aligned in our thoughts, I think uh, everything you mentioned uh, is within the plans that we, we have or had, and some of them we are putting it in, in practice currently, and some of them are, uh, we, we might try in the near future. So um, 
Yes, we're running. We're currently running and we're about to finish, to be more precise, a randomized clinical trial with uh, COVID-19 survivors, all of them ICU patients, all of them with a severe manifestation of the disease. And although I fully agree with John uh, from the population-based approach, feasible instructions are, uh, is probably the way to go. In this specific study, we're being a bit more elaborate, and our home-based program is actually based on, of course, simple exercises, those that you could do at home with simple implements, uh, simple objects that you might find around the house that might provide some resistance for some of the exercises or a couple of steps that you might simulate uh, ladder climbing, something like that. There's a whole list of the, the exercises and how they progress that we uh, prepared to, 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 to this specific paper. And what we did is, is that we classified or we ranked patients according to their post-COVID-19 functional score. It's a, it's a specific questionnaire and you, you, you can grade your patient on how much function he, he have or how much disability he have from COVID infection. And then you can set a starting point for him within the, the program that we, that we make up for the study. And he progresses as he progresses in the, the, the post-COVID functional scale. So the intervention is doing, uh, is being done remotely, but uh, we, we also get one session a week that, that is supervised by a video call. So the, the researcher actually follows in real time the, 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 the training session and provides corrections, instructions, whatever the patient needs. And the other two sections is a three times a week program. Uh, and the other couple of uh, sessions the, the patient do by himself and he reports on, on intensity, on, uh, on adherence and all the parameters that we need to monitor how he's doing uh, with the training. And we do similar analysis as we've done to this paper that we're talking about today. And we hope that this exercise program is able to restore uh, cardiopulmonary function, cardiopulmonary uh, responses uh, to a full extent in these patients. Uh, that's, that's really nice, Amut, and we all look forward to uh, reading this Next paper, the RCT paper. Uh, John, uh, what do you think are the potential aspects that still need to be investigated in terms of mechanisms underlying exercise intolerance and abnormal cardiovascular response to exercise in symptomatic post-COVID-19 patients? All right, thank you. Uh, well, first, I would like to, again, compliment the authors on the present study and the many new insights it provided. You know, I would say that hopefully future studies could help to report longitudinal results and more of a repeated measures design um, in those with or without COVID. Again, it sounds like some of that work might already be in progress. Um, and I know a lot of this work can be difficult to gain approval for um, due to the, you know, some of the potential risks. And I think as Dr. Rochelle already implied, uh, sometimes it's hard if you're trying to schedule multiple visits and certainly during uh, the, the more stringent COVID restrictions that was difficult to schedule. And to not have uh, surprises pop up, you know, for, for even scheduling purposes or, or new infections. I would like to say, in my opinion, I, I think it's very important for groups such as Dr. Rochelle's, who are in a medical school or have direct access to a hospital or clinic, to continue leading this cutting edge science in clinical populations 
um, such as they've done in the present study. And I guess I would reemphasize, Dr. Rochelle, uh, I think you mentioned, you know, I, I think it's going to be important to see how people, the best advice for people to recover from COVID-19, but also to recover from the physical inactivity pandemic as well. So um, I think those two things together and, and, and giving people simple advice and having adequate access to healthcare are going to be uh, very important moving forward. So on behalf of AJP Heart and Turk and the entire scientific community that will benefit from this data, I just want to congratulate you, Hamilton, and your team there in Sao Paulo on a great study. And John, thank you for being part of this podcast as well and sharing your insights. Kara, back to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the AJP Heart and Cirque podcast. Our theme music was written and performed by Ray Mitchell. Catch the latest episodes of our podcast at physiology.org slash journal slash AJP Heart.